Hey, welcome back, everybody. I missed you over the week that I was gone. And on today's show, white women and Bill Burr all held a king last week's VP debate and 2015 back. All that on the Ty Digger show. Let's buckle up. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome back to October 13th episode of the Ty Digger Show. Um, Took a week off last week. Um, It wasn't planned. Um, I just got busy Tuesday and didn't record the show. And then Friday came and I just got tired. It was just last week was such a long week. And I so wanted to talk about... um, Last week's uh, debate between um, Vice President um, Pence, Mike Pence, and um, the Democratic nominee for Vice President uh, Kamala Harris. Uh, extremely interesting. Um, we're going to get into that later, but just want to get back onto my week off. And and it actually felt pretty good. Um, Got to start doing more of these often. Um, sometimes when you're committed to doing something, you keep on doing it, even if you're tired. Uh, even if you have something else to do, you make room to do it. And for me, the last couple of weeks, it was podcasting and it was difficult for me to get away from actually doing it because I enjoy doing it. And I just enjoy talking to you guys. So thank you uh, for those of you that are still listening. Um, for those of you that missed my show last week, um, I sincerely apologize. But I think in these times, we all understand that, you know, sometimes we just need time for ourselves, you know, and maybe just maybe I'll start doing this more often just to give myself, you know, just a little more time, a little more me time. Like we all need that time for ourselves to take care of ourselves uh, mentally and uh, things like that. Um, but before I get into what I come to talk about, I want to stay on that mental health thing. Um, you know, we had a conversation at my job 
uh, today about, you know, how to de-stress and how to take care of stress, you know, how to take care of yourself when you're stressed. And like, I'm just sitting here thinking, yeah, this is all nice and good, but how about we just eliminate what's stressing us? You know, if you work in a certain industry, there are certain things that stress you, especially in an industry that arguably doesn't get paid what it's worth. Um, and and I'm just not talking about that, my career. I'm just talking about everybody. A lot of people are working jobs where they're not really getting paid what they're worth. And even if they are getting paid what they're worth, everything around them is going up a lot faster than the rise of their salary. So it's... um. That becomes a stressor. Uh, we're dealing with COVID right now. People are risk, at risk of losing their homes. You know, that could be a stressor. Uh, people not eating, that could be a stressor. Like, how do we, why don't we just find ways to eliminate what stresses us so we're not paying so much on the back end to keep people um, mentally medicated? You know, um, we prop them up mentally uh doing something to do something just to continue to work. So they don't miss a lot of days. Like they'll give us a day off just to come back in and work us for six months straight, you know, like let's eliminate the what's stressing us versus trying to fix what's already broken. Um, so anyway, um, for, Oh, as I move on, um, going to get away from that. I want to send a shout out to, the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron James for winning, um, I believe the franchise's 17th NBA world championship this week. And, you know, mad props to, uh, the Miami heat for, uh, getting to the finals. People didn't think they were going to get to the finals and they got there and they actually played hard throughout the finals. But the Lakers this year seemed to be a team of destiny. Um, in in there's so many ways um if we haven't forgotten uh kobe bryant passed away um late january um the last weekend i believe of january and that was just one of the like craziest it, it was just a crazy moment in a year that at that time we didn't know in a year that was gonna be absolutely bonkers like any other time kobe bryant's passing would have been the big news, but somehow, some way, we ended up, the United States ended up overshadowing that. And not saying that we should, I'm not trying to glorify his death or anything like that, but, you know, a legend like that, especially one who dies right when he's beginning his second phase of his uh, career, of his legend. Um, we talk about the legends on the court, Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Kareem, uh, Magic Johnson, um, you know, the uh, list goes on. Larry Bird and Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing. And we don't really get to talk. We, we always get to talk about what they did after they played. Um, all those men I just named are going on, have done great things after their playing career ended and Kobe was trending to go in that direction. Um, he was trending to, to actually have an impact. I mean, off the court as he did on the court. And I thought it was going to be a real nice thing to see, um, seeing him coach his daughters, um, being a basketball dad 
you know, those are like amazing things. And it was great to see, to see him off the court. Just like we get to see LeBron off the court a lot more. And not, and I think a lot of that has to do with social media and um, the times where both men played. Um, Kobe played most of his career before social media really took off. You had the internet, but it wasn't as it, it, the news on the internet didn't flow as fast as it did today, you know. Um, and we were going to get to see Kobe in that outside his basketball element. Um, still coaching basketball, still doing things within basketball, but doing things I think he would probably even say is a lot more important than what um, he did on the court. And just having him pass away that year, and the Lakers – continuing on his legacy and and winning a, another world championship uh you know it's I'm not I'm not a Laker fan and I've enjoyed actually roasting them when they were losing but you know it was great for me to see my friends who are Laker fans um you know enjoy this uh title um and I'm saving the best part of this for last well not the best part but I'm saving this part right here because, you know, it also gives LeBron James another world championship. Um, I want to say since 2010, um, 2011, LeBron James has played in every NBA final except one. And that was his first year here in Los, there in Los Angeles. Um, he got injured. So, look, we don't know how far that team would have went. I thought the team was flawed last year, but we don't know how far that team would have went. Um, they add a uh, Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis comes into the league um, just another animal, like big man that can play inside and out. Like he doesn't have quite the offensive game that Kevin Durant has, but his offensive game is good enough for a guy that big to just to be – an absolute nightmare to defend in the league. And the guy toiled for a few years in New Orleans and it never really took off. And he finally gets a chance to come to Los Angeles with LeBron. And with the King, um, they ended up winning another world championship. And that's his first there. That's his first ever world championship. But I don't want to spend too much time focused on him because I want to get back to how this Jordan fan can salute a LeBron James. Like, when you talk about the GOAT or talk about the best player, it's always going to be um, your opinion, okay? It's, a lot of people are not going to agree with Jordan. A lot of people are not going to agree with Braun. And just because they don't agree with Braun being the GOAT or being the best ever doesn't mean they actually say Jordan is. Some would say Oscar Robinson. Some would say uh, Bill Lambert. Um, not Bill Lambert, excuse me. Whew, Bill Russell. Um, some would say uh Wilt Chamberlain. Um some would say Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. So it is it's so many people, it's so many players that you can think about Jerry West that you can think about being um up there. But we can say LeBron James is one of the best players to ever put on a uniform. Um when somebody say LeBron's the GOAT, and I'm not gonna sit here and have a full blown argument against it. Like the man has absolutely earned that. 
that title. He's and I don't even want to call him the GOAT no more. It's just the king now. You know, he's the king, and there's no other basketball player to me that's gonna have that nickname after that. Uh, you got Magic, you got Air, Air Jordan, you know, you got the big O, Wilt, Kareem. Now you got King James or Kobe, you know, just those names. When you just hear those names, you know what's um you know what um what it's gonna be about. And you gotta salute what LeBron James does. And you gotta salute what he's doing now at his age. Um the man is in his late thirties and he's still balling. You know, he's still balling. If he come when he comes back next year, the Lakers are gonna be a favorite to win again. Um if him and A D come back, they're gonna be favorites. So just hang on and, and just enjoy his career. I think that's what we need to do. If anything about Kobe's passing has taught me is just to enjoy your favorites while they're here. Enjoy what you're watching. If you're a basketball fan, you you enjoy LeBron James. And, and I think that's what the point I was trying to make here. So, all right. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we come back, reminiscing about the year 2015. All that on. Ty Digger Show. Hey, everybody, welcome back. And um, this section, I want to go back in time a little bit with you. Um, I want you to close your eyes. And think back to the magical year of 2015. What a great year. Ty, why was it a great year? It was the, one of the rare years where all my sports teams were good at the same time. And not just regular middle of the pack good. Like they were top 10 college good. Um, top they were the best in their league. Um, well, not all of them. The Hornets still stuck. Um, but, you know, the New York Mets uh, trade for um, Johannes Cespedes um, at the end of the draft, at the trade deadline, late July. Um, a guy that was supposed to be traded, uh, Wilma Flores. You saw how emotional he got when he thought he was leaving the team that drafted him. And the trade, I forgot even who who that trade was for, but the trade ended up getting next. He ends up staying. He hits a walk-off home run to beat the national, the first-place Nationals um, the same day that the Mets get Cespedes. Cespedes joins the team, and the Mets race to the World Series. Dan Murphy, Daniel Murphy gets hot. We see uh, Thor, Noah Syndergaard, um, the Grom uh, step up to the big to the big stage um, as dominant um, starter rotation pitchers, and it was just a great time in Queens. Um, amazing time. Um, the New York, um, the Carolina Panthers um, start off the season fifteen and zero. They lose once. They roar into the uh, NF to the Super Bowl. Um, the uh, the Mets and the Panthers um, got beat. The Mets lose in five games to the Royals. The, the Panthers lose 
Super Bowl to Denver. Um, you know, hurts, but you know, you, you think back to the great times. Um, you, you look at the overall picture. Um, also that same year, North Carolina Tar Heels um, advanced to the ACC championship game where they give top rate Clemson everything they wanted before losing by eight. Um, amazing season, 11 wins, um, ended with a bowl loss to Baylor. But again, you look back at the entire um, the entire season, not just one game. Um, the North Carolina Tar Heel basketball team started off a little rocky. Um, lose a game to Northern Iowa. It was, it, it, it was tough on us at the beginning, but the Hills um, catch fire in January. Um, I get to go down to D.C. to watch them win the ACC tournament, knocking off um, Virginia. Um, and they just take that momentum and they roll all the way to the national championship game where, of course, those of you that know, um, they lose a heartbreaker to uh, Villanova of Chris Jenkins' last shot. But even with that last shot, um, Paige's shot before that was, at that point, I was like, you know what? This is destiny. We're, we're, we're going to find a way to win this ball game. And then Chris Jenkins kind of shut all that noise up. But um, I, I, I take you back down that walk because I think we could see a replay of that soon. Um First off, North Carolina men's basketball team is always going to be in a hunt. Do not let last year fool you by any stretch of the imagination. This team is going to be a lot better. Um, so you can always count the heels in on that. Um, the Panthers. Um, the Panthers are three and two. Mm, I like the sound of that. They're three and two. I didn't think they was going to win three games all year, but they found they have found a way to be three and two and in a tie with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for first place. Oh, and the New Orleans Saints. I believe the New Orleans Saints won last night. But it's a three-way tie for first place. And yeah, it's early, but after five games, you start to see the improvement. Man, Teddy Bridgewater is a ball player. Like, whew, I'm so glad that we kind of lucked up on that. Um, and you know, and I know Cam is killing it um, in New England. And I, you've heard me say several times, I think New England could possibly win another Super Bowl this year. So there's there's no disrespect to Cam, but you know, it is nice where we can find a guy like Bridgewater and just to bring him in and still keep on moving to uh, keep on moving. And keep in mind that the Panthers have won these games without Christian McCaffrey. So when he comes back. It definitely gives the Panthers definitely going to have a two-headed monster at running back. And maybe those young receivers finally take that next step. And finally, the defense has um, been playing a little better. So maybe the defense wasn't going to be as bad as we thought. Who knows? I I think this weekend we're going to find out a lot more about the Panthers. Okay. Uh, the next couple of weeks we're going to find out a lot more about the Carolina Panthers. So, but – First A. Sounds good to me. It looks good to me. Um, also, the New York Mets got got bought. And I don't think people understand if the Mets can get an owner that can put money into the franchise and they can bring free agents 
they can start bringing free agents to uh, Queens, um, not even free agents. They can get guys, um, get guys to come to Queens and while working on that farm system and, and Omar Minaya's back, who's a great eye of talent, by the way. And just to rebuild that farm system, yeah, the Mets could be a threat in a cup in, in a year or so. And keep in mind, they got they got young players. Um, the Grom is thirty, I believe in his early thirties, um, 30, in that, and they got bats who are very young. JD Davis, um Polar Bear. Um, Conforto, like they got young guys who can swing the bat. Uh, Jeff McNeil, okay, uh, they got guys who can swing the bat, and you can build around that. You can build around four guys who can really crush the baseball. So, um, Dominic Smith, uh, D- Dom Smith is going to find a way on that field somehow, some way. Um, Ahmed Rosario, uh, the speed at shortstop, um, reminds me kind of reminds me of a of uh, Jose Reyes, maybe not the switch hitter. He's not the switch hitter or the big stiller, but, you know, I, I see some flashes in this game. So the Mets are trending up. North Carolina's football team is trending up. The Tar Heels are undefeated. Um, they got a potential Heisman quarterback in Sam Howell. And if you haven't noticed, they hung 56 on VTech last weekend. Okay, now maybe this is not the VTech of old, but – how many VTech teams did you know that gives up 50 something points, even at their down at their worst times? So it could possibly not this year. It's not going to be this year, but you know, soon. Oh, by the way, Howard basketball looks really good coming up. I am very excited about this season. So I can see, I can see another run a year or so of all of my teams being good. And that's just a good feeling when you're a sports fan and, Every sport you turn to, your team is good. And I ain't talking about the fans who pick the best teams every year. You know, he's a Duke basketball fan, a New York Yankee fan. Now he's a Laker fan, but he was a Cleveland Cavalier fan two years ago. Um, he's a Patriot fan. You you see where I'm going with this. So this I'm talking about just the, the teams that you grew up rooting for through thick and thin. Now you're seeing them all be good again. That's and that's such an amazing feeling. It every weekend is great. Like you can't, you can't wait to turn on the TV to watch your team play. Because I there's been years when none of my teams were good, and I dreaded turning on the TV to watch them play. You know, so I hope I hope this keeps on going. I hope basketball season is great for us, um, but we'll see. All right, we're gonna come to a commercial break, and when we come back. The highly anticipated debate between Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. All that on the Ty Digger Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. In this segment, we're going to talk about last week uh, vice president debate between um, the Republican incumbent Mike Pence, uh, Trump's number two, and the Democratic nominee for vice president Kamala Harris. Um, first off, H.U. in the House. Um, I thought Miss Harris represented herself well. 
Um, I had no doubt that she was going to she wasn't going to represent herself well. And one of the things you should probably understand about a Howard Bison is that nine times out of 10, they're not going to play themselves. Um, And there are Bison that I know who are Republicans. And and if I would have saw them on stage, I'm almost positive that they wouldn't have played themselves either. Um, It's just something at the school. We're going to be prepared. Um, especially if there's going to be people watching we're we're, we're going to be prepared. Um, make no doubt about that. OK. Um, um, I thought Pence. Let me start with Pence. Pence started off well. Um, I saw he tried, but I felt like at times where. When the debate wasn't going his way and it was often um, he pulled a Trump tactic of talking over people, wanting to respond to irrelevant points. Um, and one to respond to those points at a time when he's asked a very important question, for example, like there's one time he's asked about, um, the COVID response and being head of the COVID response team at the white house. And he kind of just danced around Well, I want to talk about this now. Well, I want to talk about that. And when people say that, oh, man, if Trump gets impeached, I'm afraid Mike Pence, he's just a nicer version of Trump. No, he's a dumber version of Trump. He's just a nice guy. Um, I don't think he's as um, hateful as Trump, but no, he's he's proven that he's definitely not smarter. Um, I think a Pence presidency will be worse for the United States than uh, a Trump presidency. And that's saying a lot because first off, I don't think uh, I think Pence is is weaker than Trump per se. Um, I, I don't think he can dominate a room and not say Trump dominates every room, but Trump um, has a way that he can get people to move towards him. Pence can't. Um, I don't even think Pence can run for election. There's a reason why the guy's vice president. Um, the guy doesn't even have the popularity uh, to ever. I can't think of one race between 2020 or possibly 24. And let's go all the way back to the year I was born, 1976, that Mike Pence wins. And that's just the bottom line. Um, if he was a Republican nominee in 2000, Al Gore would be president. That's how bad I think Pence is. Um, but again, he tried. Um but once he started using the Trump tactics and Kamala was not going to let him get away with it, um, she didn't go off on him. But you can see the look on her face and she continued to challenge and she continued to press home um, her, her, her key points. And whatever you feel about her and her role as AG, whatever you feel about Biden and his role in the crime bill. And I'm not going to rehash either of those situations. Um, seeing these last two debates, there's absolutely no way you're undecided. You're going to choose um, Biden or Harris, or you're going to say you're okay with Pence and Trump. There's just no way at this point that you're undecided. And I think undecided people are on the low Trump supporters who are simply afraid to say it with their chest. They use little buzzwords like, oh, I'm thinking this through and I'm just going to make the smart decision. No, no. If you think voting for Trump is a smart decision, that's one thing. But you're not going to fool us 
I've been in way too many high school and middle school elections for that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to vote for you, dog, when deep down inside that you're voting the other way or deep down inside your the issues, things that are issues to me are not an issue to you. So you're going to have to admit that you're going to want to go Trump. Um, yeah, it's just. It's just crazy to sit there and watch him deny that, deny um, how badly they've handled the coronavirus, um, how badly the economy is faulted under them, um, the White House embracing uh, neo-Nazis, how badly they've handled that, or not handled at all, the Supreme Court um, situation where they're trying to pack the courts, but then blame the Democrats for doing the same thing. And, and and that's my problem with Republicans. I don't have a problem per se. Well, I do have a problem with it because I feel like it threatens my liberties, but I can understand one side wanting to make sure the courts are packed so people can vote their way. You know, I, I get that. Um, George Washington tried to tell us not to make this a political issue, but we find a way to make this a political issue. And um, and I'm okay with that. Okay. But fundamentally, I am okay with that. If, if you have the votes in the Senate and you want to pack those courts, that's fine. But let's not pull this whole, the other side is going to do what we're actually doing now. Fear tactic. Come on, man. Like, just say you got the votes and you're going to ram it through. You're just going to push it through. You don't care about what you said four years ago. You know, and it's clear that they wasn't going to push any of Obama's uh, nominees through. Um, And then all of a sudden now these guys are like, oh, no, no, no. We can do it before election. When four years ago, they were like, no, we got to let the American people vote. And that tells me that some of these guys might have been in this Russian probe from the jump. Like that's the type of confidence that that you have. That's the type of confidence. They had the type of confidence that tells me. This was rigged. Okay. Um, Hillary deserves a big apology from from the United States, especially the uh, Senate. Um, this this entire that entire election was a sham. Okay. It was totally completely rigged because they knew something was going down in their favor. Okay. So the, don't don't push the nonsense to me. And we're gonna get into their nominee in a few minutes after the commercial break because I something she said she said that kind of snapped something inside of me okay but overall um Harris controlled the debate from from the start um I'm not sure Pence got any wins he might have caught a couple of little shots here and there but overall Harris threw the most body blows I think she kept on punching she made the most contact. All right. So I'll just give that one to Harris. Maybe a little bias. Who cares? But I don't think Pence is going to be wanting to debate Harris ever again. All right. So we're going to come back to our, we're going to go to our final uh, commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Republicans nominee for the Supreme Court and how that connects to Bill Burr's comments on Saturday Night Live. Be back in a minute.
Hey, what's up, everybody? And we're back to the final uh, segment of today's show, the first one in a week. Um, and we talk about the Republican nominee, and let's call it what it is, Trump's nominee for um, the replace um, Ruth Ginsburg um, seat after Ruth uh, Ginsburg, Beta Ginsburg passed away um, a couple weeks ago. Um, his nominee to uh, um, replace her is uh, Amy... Coney Barrett. Um, she's currently uh, serves as a circuit judge on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. Um, she's been a professor at Notre Dame Law School, and where she taught civil procedure, constitutional law, and statutory interpretation. Um, just looking at her, um, just looking at her accomplishments. Um, I think she's an educated person. Um, I actually don't think that she's a dummy that's being nominated for this position. Um, but my issue is, um, and I talked a little bit about it in the earlier segment is that four years ago, they wanted to wait until after the election to get a, a justice in and now they're trying to shove one in now. So in effect, Mitch McConnell is trying to steal two Supreme Court seats. And again, that's fine, but we're going to have to accept who we are now. Now is not the point where we can't be, oh, I'm not racist, but I'm going to do racist things. Like, oh, I'm not sexist, but I'm going to do sexist things. I respect women, but I'm going to do things that don't respect women. Like, now it's time for your actions to match up to who you are. And this is what the Republican Party is. A bunch of cheaters. Um, they're liars. Um, they're, they're liars because four years ago, most of them said in four years, if there's another one, Supreme Court seat open, we'll wait to after election because we want the American people to choose. Now they don't want the American people to choose, which tells me that I think they know Trump's in trouble. I think they know he's in big trouble. And a lot of them are not sure that he's going to win. And yes, a lot of them are going to put on that brave face. But at the end of the day, if they felt he had a chance to win, they'll be more than ready to, to wait, let this wait out. But no, they're going to try to pack as many of the judges they can get in. And and I think one of the things we talk about Supreme Court justices, I think moving forward and Trump's presidency, COVID, everything that's happened in the last four or five years should make us sit back and actually think about some things. Um, one of the things is term limits on uh, U.S. senators, senators and congressmen, definitely term limits on that. Anybody who has that much power. Um that that can make decisions that's going to ride well after they're gone. It doesn't matter if they lose their elections now because the people that are sitting on the Supreme Court are going to vote their way anyway, and they'll find a way to make sure these guys get back into D.C. Term limits on uh, congressmen and senators. Term limits on Supreme Court justices. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have been, able, been allowed to retire without the pressure of her retiring um, could set up another 
battle in this uh, in the courts, another battle on Capitol Hill about who's going to be the next um, judge is, justice is. All right, that that was unfair to her. I thought it was unfair to her. Also, um, uh, something that important. When people get older, you should not allow people with that mindset to stay there forever. Just any mindset. You should not allow them to stay there forever. And let me make a 2B to that. Term limits for um, judges. Also, we got to eliminate the liberal um, conservative angle with our judges. I understand they vote. I understand that. I understand they might have different people have different leanings, but it should never be a situation where a guy can pick a super conservative um, judge, okay? Or a guy who's only picking this judge because this guy knows this judge is going to go exactly the way he wants, especially if that guy is talking about not being peaceful when the power when it comes time to transfer power if he loses. Or a guy who starts wondering maybe he can do more than two terms, even though there's a constitutional amendment. There's a law against that. Okay. There's a law against doing that. And this guy wants to do that. Like you, you can't, if you pack, if you let a person like that pack the courts, then there's a strong chance that our votes not going to matter in 2024. If God forbid he wins. Okay. So that's two. We got just, we got terms on, um, Congressmen and senators, um, terms on um, Supreme Court justices. Okay, and, and and I think those two are the biggest changes that we need to have. Oh, let me get to number three. Um, if Trump loses, I think we need to look back on the involvement of men like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham has had on the Senate and throughout this entire last four years, especially if Trump is um, prosecuted after he loses. I just don't think we should just stop at Trump. I think if we just did this just to hunt Trump, I think we're moving down into the wrong direction. Okay. Um, Another thing that struck me about Amy was that she's a, the term constitutional um, originist. Basically, the Constitution, she reads the Constitution in this original form, which is kind of weird because that Constitution didn't allow Amy the right to vote. It didn't allow Amy to even be able to serve in the courtroom, let alone be a judge in the Supreme Court. And it it, it bothers me because I'm now starting to see, and I chastise Black Republicans a lot here. And I want to actually point some of that towards white women, um, women um, who are conservatives, especially women who are following Trump, um, female Trump supporters. Um, You're literally the lowest class citizen in a Trump White House. Um, Any man, first off, any man who says he can just go up and grab any woman, whoever he wants. Any man who nominates Kavanaugh out of all people can't have a um, not don't have a great view on how women should be treated. And Bill Burr points this out on Saturday Night Live. First off, I I can't believe that Saturday Night Live let Bill Burr get up there in the first place. But 
He hosted Saturday Night Live and his open monologue was talking about white women and and white women and their role in racism. And I was going to play that clip, but I realized that NBC has great lawyers and I didn't have time to look up the copyright and all that. And I don't need NBC knocking on my door. But basically, he said that um, white women have been running, riding shotgun with white men while white men were committing all types of crimes against humanity and nobody said anything. Now we have the woke movement and the woke movement when people of color now starting to rise up and talk about these white men that we celebrate in the news um, with statues and things like this. And we talk about the horrors these men committed. And now a lot of, he feels like a lot of white women have been trying to jump to the front of the line on that oppression thing. And they talked about, oh, well, we've been treated badly, too. And his point was, no, nah, white women have enjoyed a lot of the fruits that racism have brought them. And honestly, a lot of people ripped him for that. A lot more didn't, but people ripped him for that. But my thing is, he ain't saying anything wrong with that. And don't get me wrong, Bill Burr has said some things that are cringeworthy over the last 15, 20 years of his career. But that right there. Oh, no, he knocked that one out of the park. And and it's justified when you look at the fact that 53 percent of white women voted for Trump. You know, and and a friend once told me white women will pick um, racism over gender any day of the week. You know, like they enjoy what racism brings them. They enjoy the fact and Bill Burr made this point. They can go out and be with a black dude behind their husband's back, but if they get caught, they can say it wasn't consensual. And now the the whole narrative of that encounter changes. Um, hell, we had a white woman who actually, a white cop, lady cop, who actually broke into another man's house and shot him and came with the excuse was, I thought this was my house. And now she's trying to fight her conviction by saying that, you know, it was possible that she believed she was acting in self-defense because she thought she was in her house. Yo, that man was straight on. Yo, that man was on point with that. All of that. And, and don't get me wrong. This is not all white women. And I'm cool with a lot of white ladies, white women. I'm cool with a lot of white people. But, yo, the truth is the truth. And. A lot of people have been riding that racism train for as long as they possibly can see slavery. You know, nobody spoke out against slavery. Nobody spoke out about the way the Native Americans were done. They they spoke out on prohibition. They spoke out on war. You know, and that's alcohol and war are two things white men love. And they spoke out against that. But that racism thing. Nah, we ain't going to. Nah, that, that's not a big deal. That doesn't affect me. I know. No racism dead. It doesn't affect me. You know, slavery, none of my people own slaves. None of that affects me. But they enjoy the privilege that it brings them. And they're willing to enjoy the privilege that it brings them, even if that means they are treated as a second class citizen. Because in their eyes, being second is a lot better than being fifth or sixth, I guess. You know, being second to white men is a lot better than being last place. I, I guess that's the trade-off, you know. Um, a lot of them benefit from affirmative action, but they'll fight to tear it down because guess what? Some black woman might get an uh, opportunity that she that 
that she thinks she's entitled to. You know, some some Asian child get an opportunity that she thinks her kid is entitled to not think her kid is good enough, but her kid is entitled to that. I'm entitled to that. That's mine. We own this. This is a white America to them. And I don't think it's fair that they get to jump at the front of the of the line when we're talking about um, woke policies. Uh, when we're talking about uh, people of color, marginalized people standing up finally. No, they don't get to jump to the front of the line on that. So, you know, Bill was completely correct. And I don't understand how women like Amy who can come in and say, hey, let's overturn. I'll think about overturning Roe versus Wade. Listen, Roe versus Wade isn't about abortion. I mean, it the the key component of it is abortion, but the argument at the bottom, at the end of the day, the argument is a woman's right to choose with her body. That's her body. You know, men don't understand that women go through a lot with pregnancy, and some women don't want to go through that. It's not fair to ask them to go through that, especially. If a woman's been molested or she's gone through rape or something traumatic, and you know, she shouldn't allow, she shouldn't have to go with that. Even if she consented and had fun and decided, you know what, I'm not ready to raise this kid. I'm not ready to be a mother. Like that should be her choice or it could be a medical issue. You know, if I, if I have a kid, it could possibly kill me. You know, it's, it, she probably, she can make the argument that it might not be fair to the child. You know, like at the end of the day, it's her choice. And I don't understand how women, white women especially, rally behind that. I don't know how white women especially rally behind the Fair Pay Act. I just don't get that. I don't see how white women rally behind affirmative action. It helps you. It pulls you up. So I just, I just don't get it. And I think Bill on that one. Shouldn't have caught no flack for that. None at all. All right. I think we come to the end of this program. Thank you, everybody, for coming back and hanging out with me. I appreciate you. And I'll see you all on Friday. Ty Digger Show signing out.